Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Monday morning edition of Bye Week is Gone. We are ready to get back into the flow of things. It is the PHLY Eagles podcast, but Wolf Zach Berman back from vacation where you were uh, tweeting away and probably getting up at 4.30 in the morning and checking out the Enquirer. How did it go? It went, it went well. All those things you, you said. You promised were us you were going to sleep until 6. 6 local. Six you and, said 6 local time. You yeah, promised. I, I slept past 6 Philly time. So much for journalistic integrity. I did not. Uh, please do not question my journalistic Just saying, integrity. if you can't trust your word. I know, did you know, not sleep can we past trust 6 your word? local time. And I went to Scottsdale, but... It's 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 beautiful there in the mornings, right? So I sat outside. I I read all the stories that were going on with the Eagles and elsewhere in the NFL, and uh, then had had a, a really nice time. Had a chance to get away. Had the chance to get away, and then had the chance to come home and watch football yesterday. Went to the Sixers game. So oh, we'll get nice. to that. We'll in get a little to that. Bit. Exactly. Plenty to talk about in this show. We're going to check in on sort of the state of things in the NFC, and then we're going to do our rookie roundup. We are halfway through this. Eagle season. Let's check in on all eight of those rookies to see whether our opinions of those guys have changed moving forward. Uh, Zach, you said you got a chance to watch some football yesterday. What's the what's this week like for the Eagles, knowing that they don't play again until Monday? When do they get back? Yeah, so they're not practicing until Thursday. Uh, Nick Sirianni said in his post game speech that he'll see them, and he was thinking next Monday, but I'm not sure if that's actually the case that they're in today. So I. I Tried to find out and I kind of got I feel like, like I'd be surprised if they were in today. Yeah. So I, I think they're they're gonna take some time. Uh and then third because it's a Monday night game, practicing on Thursday. They have been going with these Wednesday walkthroughs. They've been undefeated under the walkthrough schedule, but and they were successful at the end of last year with walkthroughs. But I need to imagine with a week and a half uh, off, they will be on the practice field Thursday, then Friday, then Saturday's their final session before heading out to Kansas City. So we will have all of your updates. The fabled Andy Reid after the bye. What a test. Yes, for both teams. Uh, there was a good nugget that Jeff McLean from the Inquirer had in a story last year that, or, or during the Super Bowl run last season, that Nick Sirianni uh, reached out to Andy Reid about his post-bye week plan, or his bye week um, plans and, and schedule to the point that he even went to a show in New York uh, and stayed in the hotel that Andy Reid used to wow, stay in. Wow, the exact same hotel. You think he asked for the room? I don't know if that was in the story. It might as well be. I, I do remember reading the story, but... Uh, I think that'd be a little creepy. It's a hotel room. A lot of people stayed in the room. But to ask specifically for the Andy Reid room, I think that would be a little <laughs> I don't bit know creepy. if it's called the Andy Reid room. It's New, York, it's New York City. A lot of people stayed there. I know, but if he yeah. went in and asked to stay in that specific Roger. room, I think that would be creepy. That probably would that probably would be creepy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um unless it's it's like um like a presidential suite or something uh, like that. Yeah, so that's interesting. You said, Can I have the the, the read room, please? The read oh yes. Yeah. I was I was I was gonna say the the bow room from the Eagles Colts game. Uh do, do you recall that uh, last year? You, you got upgraded. Yeah, I was I we and we, we went to the same place. Got good got good bonvoy points. I don't have them anymore. Yeah, but you... You're the traveling Bonvoy man. Yeah, but you, you, you get to be home with the wife and kids. It's even better. That's the trade-off that I yeah. asked for. That's <laughs> going well in my direction. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the NFC, Zach. The Eagles are 8-1. and one. We know that. The Lions yesterday going to, uh, not San Diego, Los Angeles, and a, a big offensive back-and-forth game. 
They get the win. They are seven and two, one game back. San Francisco, six and three, with a blowout win in Jacksonville. Dallas, also six and three, and Seattle, also six and three. So the Eagles, a one game lead on Detroit, a two game lead on the Niners and Seahawks and Cowboys. We can now start sort of like pivoting our attention mm. toward playoff seeding. Now, this, the Eagles have a long way to go. Obviously, a, a very difficult four game stretch upcoming. But what's your sort of general state of things? Uh, as we head into the second half of the season. I don't mean to uh, vilify our Lions fans watching right now, but... There is not a single Lions <laughs> fan watching right now until like this gets clipped for them later on. And I, they say, I, Zach Berman is wearing Lions blue and he's talking about Jared Goff can't throw. Do you know what... What hue of blue, Lions blue is? I do. It's Honolulu blue. Good job. Look at that. I mean, hashtag our colors. You're talking to the man yeah. who was tweeting about Honolulu Blue for two years. Bo knows, as the commercial goes. Uh, so, I think that the Niners and the Cowboys are still the biggest threats in the NFC, in particular the Niners. I really like the way the, the Lions have been playing. Uh, good for Dan Campbell getting the last laugh on all these people who formed judgments of him before he even coached the game. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that's an example of how you need information to form an opinion. And he's done a good job coaching that team, the attitude that that team takes, uh, the aggressiveness. I like going for that fourth down yesterday to win the game. We'll, we'll get to it in a second, but Ron Rivera still didn't learn from that Eagles game, by the way. Uh, but the the way the Lions are playing, Jared Goff uh, has been real efficient there. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's not getting sacked. And I, I like, obviously, St. Brown. They're running the ball exceedingly well. David Montgomery was a good signing for them. Gibbs uh, has been coming on these past two games. Uh, now defensively, how do you, how do you square David Montgomery being a good signing for them while also loving Deandre Swift so much? Hmm. Good question. Did not prep for that one. I think situations matter. I think they, they, I don't think they fully appreciated Deandre Swift there, but for what it's worth, Jamar Gibbs is playing more of the, the Deandre Swift role. Uh, Dave Montgomery's playing more of the Jamal Williams sure. role. And Montgomery's provided more explosiveness there. Gibbs, in terms of like a pass catcher, he had, I had the box score in front of me. He had three for 35 catching the ball yesterday. He had that huge game two weeks ago when Montgomery was down. Uh, that pick got panned, and I still don't like taking a running back that high. But he's more than a running back. He's an offensive piece for them. Um, now my issue with more than a running back nonsense, my issue with, he is a running back. That's what a running back does in today's NFL. My issue. That is true. Actually. Yeah. You're, you're, you're correct about that. There's a, there's an interesting chapter in a book that's coming out next year about that very topic. Is this the Liggins book? No, it's uh, Liggins is not mentioned in, in that book, but as a little tease, Brian Westbrook is mentioned in that book pretty extensively. What about Brandon Hughes? Brandon Hughes is not mentioned in that book. What about Bryce Brown? Bryce Brown is not mentioned in that book. Yeah, well, that's a miss. <laughs> I, I always enjoy talking to Bryce Brown, though. Nice guy. From Wichita, Kansas, I believe. Matthew Tucker? <laughs> uh, Matthew Tucker is not mentioned in that book okay. either. Uh, <laughs> so let me circle back to this here. Uh, the secondary is a weakness for them. In particular, after the C.J. Garner-Johnson injury, 
You saw the Chargers move the ball through the air against them yesterday. Justin Herbert had 323 yards. Keenan Allen had 11 catches, two touchdowns. And I think that's that's a team that the Eagles can move the ball through the air for. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, through the air against. I wouldn't be too worried going up and winning in Ford Field if the Lions got the top seed. Uh, but I, I still think the Eagles are obviously in position to get that top seed. The, the, the Niners worry me, and I think the Cowboys... We saw last week when they played against the Eagles, they can play them tough. Uh, they're they're getting CeeDee Lamb the ball more now. They're they're kind of using the theory that I said about AJ Brown. There's no rule against you know force feeding the ball to somebody. And I am uh, I I still think those are the two biggest threats. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, who are the, who are the best teams and who has the best chance to go far. And it, it's those are sort of different questions. Um, you know, you look at that like point. the the betting markets and stuff. Like, yeah. You know, San Francisco is probably the second best team in the NFC right now. Dallas is is probably the third best. But schedule wise, I mean, the Lions are one game back of the Eagles, and they have a very easy schedule. Yes, um, by just winning percentage, is the sixth easiest in the league over the course of the rest of the season. And I think that's even understating it. They're uh, they have one game left the entire season in which they will not be favored, and that is at Dallas in Week 17. Everything else, every single other game. I mean, you just you just go down the line here. Chicago, Green Bay, at New Orleans, at Chicago, Denver, at Minnesota, at Dallas, home against Minnesota. Now, th- those Minnesota games could be interesting at the end of the season because uh, the Vikings have been have been plucky with with Josh Dobbs. But you know, uh, for for the reminder, you know, for seating purposes, first it's conference record. Oh no, first it's head to head, which they yeah. don't they don't play head to head. Then it's conference record. Then it's common games. And uh, Daniz for all of this stuff. Professor uh, Selman. Professor Daniz Selman is the guy to follow for all this stuff. Now it's w- part of why the Chiefs game for the Eagles is an interesting game because mm. the Lions beat the Chiefs yes. in Week One. So common uh, opponents. That is a a game that could come into play if if there's a tiebreaker at the end of the season. But uh, Detroit has, as I said, the sixth easiest schedule. Um, the Eagles, according to just Winning percentage have the tenth easiest schedule, but I think that that is skewed. By it's it. it's skewed just because the Giants have been so bad, yes. and they get to play the Giants twice and the um, Cardinals. And, so th- right. those last three games, right? Exactly. Good. So we know that their schedule is more yep. difficult than that. Meanwhile, uh, San Francisco and Dallas have about the exact same uh, difficulty level, and Seattle as well. Those are like back end of the tenth hardest teams. But like Dallas, for instance, has this easy stretch coming up uh, at Carolina, Washington. Then they do play Seattle. And then after the Eagles, uh, it's Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, Washington. So they've got a, a pretty difficult schedule. I do think that like Detroit has a chance to rack up wins. Yes. And matchup wise, it's interesting because that's a team that is obviously so run heavy. And uh, the diversity of their running game is interesting. But I mean, I would feel good about the Eagles defense stopping that running game. I agree. And uh, that's that's kind of why I, I think that like, would you rather that play one, an NFC Championship game in Detroit or at home against the Niners? In Detroit, I think so too. Yeah, in in Detroit, and that and that goes to what I'm saying in terms of the Niners being. Although I do like, I also have confidence that Kyle Shanahan would find a yeah. way to get guys injured in that game. So, <laughs> but the the challenge, and you and I were talking about this before, is if you don't win the division, I'm sorry, if 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 if, if you're not the top seed, um, then who's your first round opponent? Because I actually think that the best place to be, if you're not the top seed here, is the five seed. You'd okay. rather be the five seed than the two seed? Um, no, I, 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 the two seed. 
Sure. I, I well, If the season ended today, the seven seed's the Vikings. So, yeah, I would rather be the two seed at home against Josh Jobs and the Vikings. That said, if you're the five seed, which if the season ended today, that's Seattle, you're going to New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs. Um, the the four seed's going to be the NFC South winner. The NFC South is bad. Bad. I, I mean, the Bucks have underachieved since that early uh, success that we saw from them before the Eagles played them. The Falcons, I'm, I'm sorry, your doppelgangers kind of struggling getting the ball to Kyle Pitts and, and B. John Robinson. Um, you don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate okay. it. And <laughs> also, nobody has been harder on Arthur Smith and da- more down on Arthur Smith as a head coach than uh, the guy's that, a joke. Yeah, that um, I'm kind of flummoxed when I watch them sometimes. By It is actually like it is a good case study. Like the difference between – and there are many differences between the Eagles and the Falcons, but like – uh, to your AJ Brown point, it's like yeah. let's not overthink this. Yes. Let's get the ball to our yeah. best players. Whereas, like with Arthur Smith, we've we've spent first round picks in three straight years on offensive weapons, and we don't really want to give any of them the ball. Yeah, yeah let's I, just do what I do. Let's that, let's so, fit everybody into my philosophy. It's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I'm. It's childish. I'm, I'm with you there. As a so. I I will give credit to Shield Kapati in terms of like the rules for hiring a head coach. I could probably write a rules for hiring. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Rules for like explaining yourself as a head coach. And one of my rules would be if you have to explain why you're not getting the ball to your best players, then you're not doing a, a good job getting your That's ball to role. your best players. Like, like, like there's no reason why you should be standing up there every week and telling everyone that they don't understand football. <laughs> And that that you should give the ball to this guy and this guy and this guy instead of the tight end that you took in the top ten and the the running back that you took in the top ten and the wide receiver that you took in the top ten. Like, uh, you know, I've used the example of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard with the Miami Heat big three when their usage rate was like disproportionately high. Well, that's that's how it, sh- it when you look at the Falcons' numbers, it should be. Their top three guys are getting the ball more than anyone else. It shouldn't be like this even distribution, especially when you're losing games. So that's a team that uh, I'm kind of flummoxed there. Uh, but um, but and, and then uh, the Saints, who are in first place, I, I wouldn't worry too much about the Saints. Uh, nasty injury to Derek Carr yesterday. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. And, and then who am I missing? Oh, the Panthers are a joke right now. I mean, they're— I think the Bucks are going to win that division. Okay, I wouldn't be worried about playing the Bucks, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be worried about playing anybody. Although Mike Evans has been awesome, I mean, that's a team that—that's the opposite of the Falcons, where it's like they're—they're—they're they're, they're not afraid to feed Mike Evans, and uh, he takes advantage of it when they do. He had that touchdown yesterday in that game I was watching. Well, I was watching Red Zone, and that came up, so mm, I'll be okay. fair. All right. Well, before we get to the rookies, Zach, and I think that this is a good connection because you would think that like rookies would be the type of people who might want to drink some chocolate milk. Professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time. Chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. That's why studies consistently show that chocolate milk is an ideal sports recovery beverage. Whether you are recovering after a workout at the gym a runaround boathouse row, or a bike ride on the Schuylkill Trail like Zach Berman. Chocolate milk is an ideal post-workout beverage. Taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine. Give your body what it needs to properly recover. 
What could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? A little bit of a treat while treating your body. Learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. I'm, I'm, I'm starting on my, on my weekend plans, and already in my weekend plans is a visit to Wheelhouse Cards with my son. I went to the Sixers game, to, at the Sixers game with my son last night, and I was wearing a T-shirt that I got from Shy Vintage Sports. And where can you buy that? You can buy that at Wheelhouse Cards as well because Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps, Chrome, Baseball, and Mosaic uh, Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & S, 47 Brand, Junk Food Starter, and Shy Vintage Sports. I had on like an old-school Spectrum T-shirt. You know, I, I felt like uh, it's not necessarily geared to a team. It's more geared to the city there. And sure. uh, yeah, I got that from Shy Vintage Sports. Looking to grade your sports card collections, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Sign in to either of the, oh, I'm sorry, stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. If you stop by the Saturday, you might see me in their Wayne location. It's open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. I sure do. All right, Zach, let's talk, uh, let's talk rookies. And let's, let's frame this in two ways. Let's, let's first do what we've learned mm -hmm. about these guys over the first nine games of the season, and then second of all, what are our sort of expectations for them the rest of their, maybe the rest of the length of their rookie contracts and whether that's changed since the summer. So we start at the top, mm -hmm. the big man himself, Jalen Carter, four sacks as a rookie defensive tackle, uh, eight quarterback hits. Now, just to re remind people, like the, the baseline performance for rookie defensive tackles is pretty low. Uh, Aaron Donald over the past decade is the only guy who's had like a really, really great rookie season sack wise. He had, uh, he had eight, he had nine sacks. The second most is DeForest Buckner. And so Jalen Carter is on pace basically to have the second most sacks for any rookie defensive tackle over the past decade. He also has eight quarterback hits that would put him on pace to have the most quarterback hits of any defensive tackle over the last decade. Um, we have followed a story of how, like over the course of the summer, the players were like, oh my God, this guy's unbelievable. Very early on, they were right. Uh, I think over the course of the first half of the season, you can make a case that he is arguably the best defensive player on the team. You know, we, we, you might go Josh Sweat, you might go Hassan Reddick, but he has been awesome. Um, have you learned anything about him that you didn't expect over the first nine games? Well, he can be one of the best defensive linemen in the, in the, in the NFL. And I, I don't think that's a stretch because... We've had the argument or the discussion on the show that he might be the best defensive player on this team. But but the the strength that he has, the ability that he has, the uh, the if from everything behind the scenes, he's been not just like a willing learner, but like an eager learner. Uh, I've I've been impressed. I know the teammates and the coaches have have been impressed. I think back to. Fletcher Cox's rookie season too. And, and this is kind of getting into what's ahead, but Fletcher Cox in, in his rookie season 
he had kind of a slow start, which you've alluded to with rookie defensive tackles. Then he had four and a half sacks in his last five games. And this is a way of saying that like the best might be coming in the final weeks of the season here for Jalen Carter. That he, I'm, I'm not saying he's, he's, he's going to push uh, Aaron Donald. But, and Dominican Sue, 10 sacks in 2010. Like, that's not out of the question here. Six sacks in, you know, the final eight games of the year. Um, that's certainly conceivable. And then the other thing that I've been impressed with him too is these sacks aren't like garbage time sacks, if you will. Uh, the four sacks that he had, the Eagles have have been ahead by between one point and eight points in all of those games. I'm, I'm sorry, in all of those sack situations. So these are like game specific important sacks. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm not ripping on Brandon Graham here. Brandon Graham's awesome. But I think back to like that Giants game last season when the Eagles had this big lead and Brandon Graham had like two sacks late in the fourth quarter. And, right. Uh, yeah. Like, like, like these aren't um, late game sacks. These are out of reach sacks. These are meaningful game situation sacks. That's what's impressed me about Jalen Carter. Now, you do think about always with rookies like uh, the the rookie wall. Like, are they? Yeah, I think that's a myth. Okay, I think that's yeah. I think that's probably fair. But uh, it's a thing that guys talk about, right? Sure. Like he is going to like be playing. Yeah. Right. Physically, he's going to be playing more games than he he ever has before. This is a player whose conditioning was questioned in the past, mm-hmm. so that's uh, like a, a thing to follow. Um, he had that injury this season, but la- and, and then his snaps were a little bit down yeah. in the two games after. But then against the Cowboys, he played fifty one snaps. Yeah. Um. So. I think that was maybe the case of like let's we, we feel comfortable pushing him because the buy is on the horizon. Um, I mean, how have my expectations changed for Jalen Carter since the summer? I think they have changed because I've I've seen it in action. Like, I I would I would expect and and put on him that like over the course of his rookie contract, these first five years, I would expect him to be like a first team All Pro at least twice. Wow, I mean that's. Uh, we all saw that that clip. Like I think he's yeah. the guy who is the who is the best player on the yeah. team over the next five years. So Zach, I saw the clip uh, from a, a mic'd up. I I saw it on 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 Twitter of Zach Martin saying to him after the game, like, "How the hell did they get you? Yeah, how the yeah. hell did they get you?" And that's that's kind of the question that I think I've heard elsewhere around the league. Like, how did this guy land on the Eagles? And we all know how it happened. But uh, when you hear it, Arthur Smith passed on him. This is not a media creation thing. This is a legitimate, like, he is, player. the players know. And when you wrote that piece going into the season and her, hearing the veterans talk about him, and then we saw in those early games, like, this this wasn't just him winning one-on-ones in a training camp practice. Like, he's, he's doing it in, in games. He's commanding double teams. Uh, he, there were discussions about him being – the best player in the draft last year. Will Anderson's been good this year. CJ Stroud's been outstanding this year, right? But Jalen Carter might be the best rookie regardless of position. Um, and he would, I think he would go second in a redraft. Behind CJ Stroud? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Will Anderson's been really good. Yeah. So that's, uh, and you get into the edge versus interior debate there. Um, now, I do want to circle back like 90 seconds ago. I probably spoke too, too dismissively about the rookie wall. I do think that can be a thing, but I think with the Eagles in particular, with the way they practice, and I've heard this from the Georgia players, like the Georgia players practice much more right. uh, like physically than the Eagles do. And that's not to take away. The, the, the Eagles' whole approach is get you to Sunday, right? And 
uh, we've we've heard Jason Kelsey say like this has added years to his career. We've we've heard some of the other veterans say that. So I think that the rookie wall it is it, it does have a it has a lot to do with like you're in mid December and you're used to being on winter break or, or you know uh, fall you know a uh, like a Christmas break before the ball, the uh, ball before the bowl game and all of a sudden like you're preparing to play against the Cowboys. Uh, but I think in the Eagles' case, they keep these guys fresher than most other teams do. I think that's true. Um, I think there is something to it, and this is not breaking new ground, but there is also, they didn't have an offseason, right? You yes. go from playing in college true. to then straight to preparing for the draft. Like, yep. that is a long slog, especially if you're going into the playoffs. Yeah. And even though the Georgia guys said that, like, it's not like Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis were making a big impact in the playoffs last year, right? So just, just because they say it doesn't mean that that's definitely true. Are you saying I'm impressionable? I'm saying you take people, you take what people say as the truth without necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, tend fact to. checking it <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Not like fact checking, but just like you know what I mean. Like if they say it, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. I'll try. I take people at their word more than I have to. Yeah. That's probably. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to be trusting. Okay, yeah. which is an interesting quality of a journalist. Okay, <laughs> we can unpack this offseason. We yes. can unpack that this offseason. Um, like. All of that said, it's it's sort of like the same conversation about the Eagles as a whole. Like you get through the stretch, you can probably pull the reins off Jalen Carter a little bit in those final three games, and you want him to be at his best come come playoff time. Yes, you're gonna need him to be at his best come playoff time. Okay, you want to tell us about what you did yesterday? Yes, let me do that because I uh, I was I was home, no Eagles game. Uh, I made the joke that my wife said, you have no excuse not to go to the gym. And the gym for me is a basketball gym, right? There you go. Uh, and so I said to my son, Eagles Pacers, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I have Eagles in my mind. Sixers Pacers. Let's go check this out. But I, I, I didn't have tickets. So you know what I did? Pulled up my, 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 the app, my phone, the G, the game time app. And I went to it. I found, just like I've been talking about, or we've been talking about these last few months, these last minute killer deals. Beautiful. I mean, look, this is not just me reading an ad read here. This is me telling you firsthand experience what I did. I got my tickets on game time. I got a great deal. I got great seats. Uh, and that is the way to go in those situations because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And they weren't, it wasn't necessarily stressful. I was scanning for the best deal, but I wasn't stressed because I knew I would get it because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Uh, they have flash deals and last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in the area. What I liked was the image seat view. So I literally said to my son, if we get these seats, this is what the view is going to be. Got to make and, sure that he, Reed's, got a, Reed's got an angle. Yes, ex exactly there. And uh, the other thing that I, I liked is how easy it is. Just two taps, right? You know, I purchased it and then <laughs> downloaded it. And all of a sudden, uh, the tickets were there. Scanned it when I came in. Couldn't have been an easier process. Forget planning in months in advance. I planned minutes in advance here. Game time has deals on tickets 
right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Did Reed uh, enjoy the Maxi experience? He loved the Maxi. So, you know, it's it's kind of, it brings me back a bit. Like, you see how impressionable kids are, right? Uh, his first time seeing Maxi play in person. Maxi scores 50. All of a sudden, he loves Maxi. He can't yeah, stop. Why not? He can't stop talking about Maxi, right? Uh, we stayed up, uh, you know, past his his bedtime to stay at the game longer because he he wanted to keep seeing uh, Maxi, you know, you know, Maxi score. Uh, we left a little early. We were listening on the way home uh, on the, on the radio when Maxi scored fifty. My son like got real excited in the car. So yeah, you can see like how you become a fan of a particular player because. You're there that day. I like that. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk uh, Nolan Smith now, who you famously predicted would be uh, the Eagles' first-round pick. Nice job there. Nolan Smith has played 10% of the snaps yes. on defense this season. He has yet to play more than nine snaps in any single game. He had that uh, very easy cleanup sack when he, which he was unblocked. But other than that, has yet to make an impact. Um, what have we learned about Nolan Smith? I think we have learned that the coaching staff has not thought that he was yeah. ready for a primetime role right away. Sure. That doesn't necessarily mean much for the arc of his career, but uh, what's your sort of opinion of the first half of Nolan Smith's season and has it changed your opinion of him as a whole? Hasn't changed my opinion of him as a whole. A little underwhelmed. I thought he had a really good camp, especially early on. Uh, I thought he looked like he belonged athletically, uh, that the temperament, I expected him to play more than he has. One of the surprises for me, if I was doing you know, my list of surprises this year, it's the amount of snaps that Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat have taken. That's a rotational position. I understand that they have Brandon Graham on a pitch count. They should. You know, they're, just, they're, they're keeping him fresh for later in the season. Uh, Derek Barnett has underwhelmed the Eagles. That's not me editorializing. He was, they made him inactive. He yeah. was inactive the last game. Uh, that would leave Nolan Smith in a position to kind of take a bigger role. And he hasn't done that. You you know, 56 defensive snaps so far this season. Derek Barnett had 12.4 defensive snaps per game before he was inactive. I thought Nolan Smith would push some of those snaps in the Cowboys game. That hasn't been the case. I, I'm, we're we're, we're going to do a stock show later on this week. I'm still buying or holding. And I would probably buy my Nolan Smith stock. I, well, now would be a good time to yeah, buy if you think yeah. he's going to... What would that be, like NOSM or something? Um, okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out his symbol. But yeah, I would I would buy Nolan Smith stock still. I think athletically it's there. I think the, uh, the uh, like I said, the temperament's there. But the, the, the coaches aren't holding him back like because they, you know, they're playing other guys. They're holding him back because they don't think that he's he's ready to take on that workload. I specifically asked Nick Sirianni this question two weeks ago. Nick said he has good players in front of him, and I understand it's a new defensive coordinator uh, with Sean Desai, but the Eagles don't typically play their top edge rushers this much. So it has to do with the fact that they they need these guys on these field in the, in the high leverage situations. And I think it's okay to say this has been a disappointing start to Nolan Smith's career. Sure. Because he was a four-year player. At Georgia, 
Yes. Right? Like the whole selling point of that is like this guy is ready. Like he's already a pro basically, right? Now I know that he uh, is playing a slightly different position and like he has these unbelievable athletic traits and you're trying to get the most out of that. But this is not Daniil Hunter. You know, this is a guy who should be close to ready to play. Like that sure. is the whole selling point of the Georgia guys. And this is a four-year player, not an underclassman, right? So if he's like not ready to contribute more than nine snaps a game, I think it's okay to say like, that's not great. That's not what we thought yeah. we were getting right away. It doesn't mean that over the course of the next four years, he's not going to turn into that. Um, and, you know, you don't necessarily want to take Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick off the field. But, like, the the lack of production and college that we talked about, and, like, maybe this is going to turn up. That's been the case for Jalen Carter. I think it's okay to say that, like, right now, this has been a, a an underwhelming start to Nolan Smith's career, and it's disappointing that he's not able to do more right now. I, I don't disagree. I, I know I keep going back sometimes to like players that I covered and their experiences. Uh, maybe it's, it's, it's a crutch, but it's, it's what I've seen. And what this, rem what this reminds me of is Jason Pierre-Paul's rookie year. I covered that in 2010 with the Giants. I remember asking, you know, Perry Fuel and Tom Coughlin about when's Pierre-Paul going to play more on defense. And I kept hearing them talk about, like, his contributions on special teams and the, he's commanding these double teams on special teams and, you don't draft a guy that high to be a special teams contributor is what I, is, is what I was thinking. But he was behind. And, and, and then you heard, well, he's behind Justin Tuck and he's behind OCU Minora. Uh, you know, he was, he was, he was behind Matthias Kiwanuku. Uh, but, and, and, and then over time, obviously he turned into a really productive player. The difference there is he was drafted more as a developmental guy. And, and he was an underclassman. Yeah. Now who played one year in division yeah. one football. Now Nolan Smith, he was a he's a three and a half year guy. He was he was missed most of last year with half of last year. That, with an injury. that counts though. But that are, counts, he was yeah. in college for four yeah. years. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm expect I expected to see more from Nolan Smith than I have. Um I am imagining down the stretch he'll, he'll play more. But if he doesn't, uh and we're having this conversation in December and in January, then you definitely say this was an underwhelming rookie season because it's been an underwhelming nine games relative to the talent that I believe he has. And what I would say matters much, much, much less is just by my eye test, I don't think that he necessarily looks the part right now. I, I haven't seen the explosiveness in action mm -hmm. in those limited reps. So, I mean, I, again, that, that doesn't matter nearly as much, but I haven't seen what I thought that I was going to get to see from him as a rookie. So, and I would say that my expectations have changed since the summer for, for Nolan Smith. Interesting. Wanna, how so? Uh, I would say at this point, I expect him to be a rotational player hmm. and not necessarily like a, you can let Hassan Reddick leave hmm. because this guy's ready to step in and be a, an every down player. That's fair. I, I mean, I, I think it's early to say that, but I, I do think uh, he, well, it's clear he hasn't shown enough yet in terms of the eye test too, like things that don't totally matter, but just we're having yeah. this conversation. Number one, uh, wearing Put some gloves on, man. I was about to get that. <laughs> the first is like, we're not Reggie white yet. Number three coming around the edge. looks, looks like, you know, I think the, the number three makes him look like faster than he is. The single digit. <laughs> okay. I like that. Okay. But then the second thing is the lack of gloves. I, I asked him about this at, uh, in the locker room the other day and, he talked about the natural grip you get with sure. your hand. He's the only defensive player who's not wearing gloves out there. Yeah, what are we doing? Um, so maybe like if, if he had on some of those gloves, 
He would look more. Maybe this is like the Hassan Reddick fixes his thumb thing, and all of a sudden he's yeah, the best player again. Yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. Nolan Smith puts on some gloves, and all of a sudden he's yeah, he's the like, new DPOI. It's like Jim Carrey in the mask, right? Yeah. All of a sudden you put that on, and you're a totally different person. Like a cultural reference for you. I like that. Of course, I watched that movie. Those camera Diaz are all on, right? So <laughs> it's all it all comes back to the hornball. I, I like that out of you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on to the first of their uh, two third round picks. That was Tyler Steen. <laughs> Now, what we've learned about Tyler Steen is that he was not ready to go right away. He was inactive to start with. And when Cam Jurgens went down, the Eagles did not go to Tyler Steen. They, they first went to Sua Opeta and then eventually went to Tyler Steen. We heard that over the course of that first half of the season, he was making improvements behind the scenes. Yep. They gave him that shot against Dallas up and down, which you would expect for a guy's first start against a very good defensive line. Um, would you say that your expectations for, for Tyler Steen have changed at all? No. Uh, no, I thought he was going to have more of a shot to win that right guard spot during the summer. There was not a competition there. Uh, I view Tyler Steen as your starter in 2024 when they drafted him. I'm still viewing him on that trajectory. My guess we is... Should also, I, just, just, I should also say when Lane Johnson was down, yeah. he did not get the call at yes. right tackle. That was Jack Driscoll. No, that was in-game. But Yes, good point. Uh, and it's kind of like when I, when I saw him this summer, I wondered if there was a, a little um, Isaac Sayamalu early on in Sayamalu's career where they were just trying to find like the right spot for him. They were bouncing him around. Uh, they didn't know if he was a guard. They didn't know if he was a swing tackle. They didn't know if he was a future center. And there might have been a little bit of, a, of, of that because they tried seeing a guard early in camp, and then the last two weeks of camp, we saw him playing tackle, right? That was camp. Left tackle. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're they're still trying to figure this out with him, but when you have you know now Jason Kelsey's obviously not going to like badmouth a, uh, a guy who's about to start, but Jason Kelsey's also he's kind of careful with his words or he's he knows how to like to get his message across in in the in in the way he wants, and I don't think he would have talked Steen up the way he did if they if he didn't truly see that type of upside there. Now he. Talk Sua Opeta up too, and he sees obviously positive things in, in, in Sua as well. But I, I think Tyler Steen's your starting right guard next season. Um, but I think this season it's it's pretty clear that there's a delta between Cam Jurgens and Tyler Steen, and that's why there wasn't a competition during the summer. Do you think that there is a case in which they view Tyler Steen as Lane Johnson's eventual replacement at right tackle, or do you think that is somebody else? I think their first or second round pick this year is Lane Johnson's eventual is eventual. Re- is replacement and uh, uh, shout out to uh, Dane Brugler at the Athletic. I I, th- I think he's as as good of a uh, draft you know draft reporter, draft coverage person as there is draft analyst. And uh, his top fifty came out last week, and you saw the amount of uh, offensive tackles on that list, and you saw the amount of offensive tackles there were in kind of like that twenty to forty range, if you will, or twenty to fifty range. Um, I think that's a spot that could be ripe for the Eagles next year. I agree with you. Uh, I think unlike Nolan Smith, where I I think he has, it's been a little bit disappointing that maybe he was not quite as ready right away as you would have thought. Mm -hmm. This doesn't change my long-term opinion of Tyler Mm -hmm. Steen. I think that he is, whenever Jason Kelsey retires, he's the starting right guard. And I think they'll move forward that way. Uh, Real quick, just like an an early draft thing. You're going to take? Okay. To to keep your way, to kind of keep in your back pocket. Now, this is a guy the Eagles might not even have a shot on, okay? Okay. But Mims from Georgia, okay? Uh, Former five star guy, 
right tackle. Uh, he's barely like started. You know, he's been banged up this year. Yeah, I think he's only started like six or seven games in his college career. But like that, the talent's overwhelming. That's why he's that high. This is a guy who may—he's a right tackle. This is a guy who maybe he starts slipping um, because he doesn't have that experience. And the Eagles are, are like, well, Lane Johnson's here next year, anyways. This guy's full of talent. Let's trade up to like the twenty to twenty-one range to get our our uh, future starting right tackle and let him sit for two years. He's you know a true junior, I, I believe. So he's a young guy can develop. Um, great for, you know, what's the, uh, the expression Jeff Stoutland always uses like, um, rare traits. Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. Something outlier, of, something of the rare trait thing. Like, um, I'll have that expression tomorrow. It's not on the tip of my tongue. Uh, by the way, there was a press conference recently where, where Nick Sirianni said like, what is it that Stoutland says? And I said the exact expression nice. and Nick's like, I don't know if that's what it is. And then that's exactly, oh, really? that's exactly what it is. You know him better um, than, than Nick does. What's that? You yeah, know him better than yeah, Nick does. Uh, yeah. You've been it, around it him was, longer. No, it was, um, ex- it was execution fuels emotion. Okay. Um, and he said, that's not quite it. <laughs> or I, I, he's like, what's his Sirianni said emotion. And then I was like that. And then he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to put the wrong well, thing. He no sold you. But then I'm like, that's exactly, I, I Googled it. It's exactly what Sirianni said or what Stoutland says. Uh, but uh, yeah. So keep Mims in the back of your mind. All right. I like that. All right. Let's close with the, uh, well, not close, but let's get to the, the next second, uh, third round pick. Sidney Brown, who was taking one pick later, uh, became sort of the uh, de facto nickel in week three and then suffered an injury, um, then has been the last three games the early down nickel for the Eagles, but did not win the safety job out of camp. That went to Justin Evans. Did not get the second crack at the safety job. That went to Terrell Edmonds. Then the team traded for Kevin Byard in part because they needed depth, but also Sidney Brown was not necessarily ready to start um, right away. This is another guy who was a four-year player. Mm-hmm. Great athletic traits. What's your read on the the first half of Sidney Brown's rookie year? Yeah, trying to figure out what his role is. I, I think that's, I, I was underwhelmed, or I expected more out of the summer. I'll put it that way. I predicted Sidney Brown would start going into the season. I said they drafted him to start. Uh, and that, that was a, a spot where they didn't really have a clear starter. I have a, a big picture question for you. Yes. Because it relates to this. Do you think we've, we saw this last year with Nicobe Dean? Mm-hmm. We've seen it with now Nolan Smith and Tyler Steen and Sidney Brown. Do you think there is something about the coaching staff and or like the team's expectations that makes them a little bit more reticent to play rookies early on who are not Jalen Carter? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because what the coaching staff would, would tell you is, they weren't afraid to play Devontae Smith and Land and, and Land Dickerson two years ago or three years ago. The Eagles were at a different stage yes. then. Yeah, I, I think that um the Eagles are maybe aren't, it's the strength of the roster, right? It could yeah, but I, I think it's 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 more just like they're they're in this to win, you know, to win Super Bowls right now. And that this isn't like a, a develop on the field situation where and it was pretty clear, by the way, like when you took Devontae Smith. Who was going to play over him? And Landon Dickerson, by the way, too, right? right? Um, so I, th- I think that's an element of it. But I, I also think that, you know, we in the media, or maybe me, uh, can sometimes overrate the rookies as, as it is. Like, they're not holding Jalen Carter back because Jalen Carter is that good. 
Um, and I think that, that we're seeing that conversion from college to this Eagle system. Uh, it takes, it takes some time for Nick Sirianni and the staff to like trust you to fill that role. The other thing is, and we talked about this over the summer, but <laughs> it's not, it's coaches are not wired to think about like what's going to be best for us in December, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, how can we win this week? Nick yep. talks about it all the time. Like yep. it's always, 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 what can we do to win this game? And that's true. That's great. But I think that sometimes that can mean, you know, not that you're stunting Sidney Brown's development, but if Sidney Brown, like are the Eagles in December going to be better if Sidney Brown is ready to play than if Justin Evans is just playing at his normal level? Like, wouldn't you rather yeah. get Sidney Brown to be on the come up? I, 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 I definitely would. Um, that's, but I think you brought up the key point here. Uh, Rick Riley has a, the famed sports Illustrated comments as a, uh, a quote on the top of his computer uh, that's, that says, never write a line you've read before. And uh, I'm sorry that I'm repeating a line that I've written before. Um, Rick Riley has that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Rick Riley has that. Um, and <laughs> so I am, uh, what, I've, <laughs> what I've written is long-term to Howie Roseman is two years from now. Uh, long-term to Nick Sirianni is two days from now, right? Like that's kind of like the difference between like a coach and a GM is that uh, Nick Sirianni's not he like long term like he's he's not thinking how's this guy going to fit in our 2024 rotation he's thinking like how's this guy going to help me beat the Kansas City Chiefs and I think that's kind of held back some of the rookies here because I do think sometimes you take and we talked about this with Sidney Brown you take the lumps that come in September and October because you think in December and January and February it'll pay dividends uh, the Eagles haven't taken that approach I think Sidney Brown has more upside than he's shown, um, but I still think they're trying to figure out what the role is. They He's playing a different role for the Eagles than he did at Illinois. He was closer to the ball in college, uh, so they tried him deep, then they tried him in the slot, and it's just trying to figure out how to best, ma best maximize that that player. I actually think it's encouraging that he's that he's been able to tread water as as a nickel sure. because that is not his, yep. his skills. I mean, it's not the job that they want him to do long-term. It's not the job that he has done in the past. Um, like, you know, man-to-man -man coverage against slot receivers is not why he's here. Yeah. And I think you have seen the flashes of why he is here. He's, you know, he, he is sort of hellish coming downfield, yeah. uh, again, in run defense, and he's a, he's a short tackler. I think I, think I've, I have um, enjoyed, like, the Sidney Brown experience mm -hmm. to some extent, and I think you have seen why they like him. I, I, my expectations for Sidney Brown have not changed. I think that he will be the starter next yeah. to Reed Blankenship next season. Uh, and then some... Like cheesy eye test stuff, uh, changing the twenty one, good, a good move by okay. him, like that, and then the flow out of the helmet uh, is yes. Well, for the, the 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 thumbnail on today's episode, you said you were taken and smitten by the Canadian I, flow. I didn't say I was smitten. I said, look at that Canadian flow. I mean, that's a guy who, who he, he could be playing in a like uh, Leafs Canucks game, and he'd fit right in with that flow. Okay. Uh, not flow, but FOCO is the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It is the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports. And they have yours too. 
Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. I'm a little bit still stuck on that uh, rally anecdote, but we'll save that for off the show. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go through the the day three guys now. Keely Ringo, um, probably fair to say the yeah. the most disappointing yes. performance for a rookie this season in that he hasn't done much. He's played one defensive snap over the course of the season, despite all of the injuries yeah. in the secondary. The Eagles have gone to Mario Goodrich and Eli Ricks and uh, all these other guys. Instead of going to Keely Ringo at the same time, to your Jason Pierre-Paul point, he has played the second most snaps in special teams. He's been active for every game. What's your, uh, what's your read on the Ringo situation? So I always listen to you. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good rule. I, f- I feel like the white shirt right now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, in, in the sense that when the Eagles trade for somebody, you always say, well, why is he available? Or the league knew this guy was available, right? And so I talked about how the Eagles got this big steal in Keely Ringo in the fourth round. They traded a third-round pick next year, right? They clearly wanted him. It's like, this is too good to be true. I, you know, this is a guy who was a starter at Georgia, who had the game-winning, the game-clinching interception in the national championship, former five-star player. Uh, and then as you're, you know, you're kind of the voice of reason here, well, why is this guy available in the fourth round, right? Like, you're not evaluating better than the rest of the league. You know, if it, if Jalen Carter slips from the number two pick to the number nine pick because of a really bad off-the-field situation, like, you know, you understand that, right? If a, if a guy falls to the fourth round, um, it probably has something to do with football. And uh, I think we're seeing that. Like, this is why he was available. He's a clear developmental player. So if you're looking for the reason for optimism, he's the youngest player on the team, right? Uh, that matters. Yeah. I mean, he is, he came out early. Uh, he was one of the youngest players in the draft. He was a 20 year old when they drafted him, I believe. And this is, he, this is a situation where the Eagles drafted him as a developmental player. Now he's had a chance like Eli Ricks is playing over and we'll get to Eli Ricks in a second. They've, they've, Balanced through Josh Job, an undrafted guy last year, playing over him. Um, but I think next year's camp is going to be critical for Keely Ringo. If he doesn't make the strides next year, then you start to say, well, like this is more of a name than a player. But if he makes the strides, you say some guys just need the time in an NFL camp and then in, in, with the system kind of building his confidence. He's learning under Bradbury and Slay. This pick was never made for the 2023 roster. Yeah, I actually am, am like pretty sanguine about the the Keely Ringo thing. I don't think it's a, a huge deal that he hasn't played on defense. I think what we've learned is that they don't view him as a versatile player, Yeah, right? Like they view him right now as an outside corner only. He cannot play in the slot. And that was not really the book on him coming in. He, he you know, the, the scouting report is like a little bit stiff-hipped yeah. and, you know, sort of needed to be on the outside. In fact, there were some people who thought maybe he was going to have to move to safety. Um, I like the, the, the nugget you had that he's the youngest guy on the roster. I think like they still view him as a developmental yeah. player and are hoping that he can be in the mix to replace one of James Bradbury yeah. or Darius Slay next season. Um, and I think that's fine. I think it's okay that, that he doesn't have to play right now. Now, Howie Roseman is, uh, do you think when he's doing his draft press conference next year, 
Do you think he says when the third well, we round, our, third round pick, but when yeah, our third round pick came up, like we, Ringo, yeah. we all put on video of Keely Ringo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think he pulls that out, or because Keely Ringo is not really playing this year? They, I mean, what video are they pulling up? Eli like, Ricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I don't think he'll. he'll well, let's let's skip to Eli Ricks right now. Okay. Uh, and let's talk about these guys in comparison. Yeah. Who do you think is going to have a better Eagles career, Keely Ringo or Eli Ricks? I mean, this might be a recency bias, but Eli Ricks. Eli Ricks to me looks like he belongs out there. Like the the length jumps out to you. Okay, he he has. He's good got a, he's got a fun play personality too. He's yes. got, got a little bit of that dog in him. Oh, he has a lot of that dog in him. Yeah, I mean he is. Like, you saw it in the preseason with that that wait, pick wait, six. Yes, yeah. exactly. Pick six Ricks, right? There you go. Uh, no, no. Keely had a you know he had big interception, obviously that I referenced against Alabama. But I think Eli Ricks, the fact that like. This is an undrafted guy who made the team on the outside, and then they decided to play him in the slot. Shows you that they think not just that he has the like fluidity to do it, but that he has the capacity to learn that quickly. And uh, well I've said. I've been really impressed with Eli Ricks. And yeah, this probably is recency bias here, but if I if I had to pick one of them that have more of a long term contribution. It's Ricks, and by the way, Ricks is like a former five star guy. Ricks was actually rated ahead of. Uh, uh, Ringo coming out of high school, I believe, or maybe he was second and Ringo was first, but those two were the top two coming out. I think what you said uh, is right about like them, their trust in him to, to play that nickel spot. He has been the third down and pass situation nickel the past two, three games uh, after not having played inside at all over the summer. Hmm. So that, that says something. It's going to be very interesting to see when Bradley Roby comes back, which we expect will be the case against Kansas City. Is it going to be, you know, Roby 100% of the time? Are they going to, is Sidney Brown still going to be involved? Is Eli Ricks still going to be involved? I'm curious about that. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not lean all the way into the recency bias and, and say yeah. that I, I, I probably would still take Ringo, but I don't, I don't feel great about that. And I would not be trusting my eyes if I said that. That would be just, I would, that would be based on, you know, the, the, the draft position. And best case scenario for the Eagles, believe both of them panning out here, but we'll see. That would be nice. All right, two guys left, uh, guys who have not played very much. Tanner McKee has been the third quarterback for every game, has not gotten into a game at all this season. Hard to say that anything has changed. Jalen Hurts has played 100% of the snaps. I still expect he's going to be the backup quarterback next year. You're a big Tanner McKee guy. By the way, shout out to Bo. He has a terrific piece up now on allphly.com. It's always uh, when we both wrote uh, at The Athletic, it was, it was one of my favorite things he did when it was a – Player by player account. There's some good, uh, great nuggets in there. Do you think the Albert O good, point was fair? So good. Um, not necessarily. So here's so the Albert O point. I I wrote the other day that the Eagles gave up a, a pick for him, and Bo fact checked me basically saying like they they it was a pick exchange. It was the smallest thing they could do. Yeah, a, a but, two years out, yeah. sixth for a seventh. Like it is yeah, that is yeah. the least amount you can give the, up in a uh, trade possible. So what the point I was trying to make in my Eagles Insights column that was last week that you can read, because uh, I haven't been on the show since that appeared, is the point I was trying to make is there's a reason why the Eagles I didn't say gave up like a great pick. There's a reason why the Eagles gave you know made that pick swap to ensure they could get him before he went on waivers. Right. Was the point and I was making. And my only point yeah. in, re in response to that was that the fact that he has not played at all and has been inactive for most of the season is a is stronger signal than the fact that they were willing to bring him in for the price no, of a gumball. No, so I actually look at it differently. The fact that they've kept him on the roster 
this year when he's not. It, this isn't like a Trey Sermon Ian Book situation. Yeah, but they haven't but, needed but, those so this spots. isn't no because that's not true. They kept a punter on practice squad for the first four weeks of the or they first kept six Mario weeks of the Goodrich year. after like making like yeah. nailing him to the bench. Um, so the the fact that they've kept him on the roster when he's a pending free agent, right? So it's not as if like like Trey Sermon and Ian Book. Theoretically, they were like, all right, this could be our backup quarterback in a year, or this could be a rotational running back. So let's carry them on the roster, even though they don't have a clear role. Albert O is, he's a free agent at the end of the year. The Eagles gave up that pick swap to make sure they didn't have that uh, because they had a low waiver claim. They wanted him bad enough that they made that trade. Okay, number one. And then they number wanted two, him like meagerly enough. And then number two, they've kept four tight ends on the roster, even though he doesn't have a long term contract with the team. Because they felt it was important to have him as depth for this situation. Okay. Yeah. So I am looking at it like, yeah. And look, if 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 I'm writing fifteen hundred words during the bye week, and uh, I'm I'm writing it on vacation, and I'm doing analysis. Well, of, we didn't have a show to do, so uh, this is my only yeah, way to respond. Uh, I'm doing analysis of the of the tight end situation for the Eagles, and I mentioned this tight end that the readers <laughs> no, don't. I didn't. I wasn't saying you shouldn't have about, written about him. The readers don't know much about him, and I'm giving you some insight from behind the scenes <laughs> on this is a player to watch. Yeah, I feel comfortable with that. I didn't think I needed to be taking the task in that. But the point I was going to say: if Grant Calcaterra is healthy, yeah, he's above Albert. O. Who has more catches? Yeah, Grant Calcaterra. Okay, but and, Albert O. By the way, it has more demonstrated like NFL experience, and we heard Baldy say that he was like the best player on the field in that preseason game against the Rams. But what I was saying about your piece, uh, awesome piece, great nuggets in there, good laughs in there, and I'm already like naturally having anxiety about any job that I have, like, uh, you know, and where the industry is going. And all of a sudden, Bo's trying to put me out of work with ChatGBT. So, uh, yeah, ChatZBT. ChatZBT, okay. Yeah. Got to be a diehard to read that bad boy. So check that out on allphly.com. Who do you think, who would you put your turkeys on to finish third on the team in targets until Dallas Goddard returns? Uh, so I would go with Julio Jones. And really? Now last year, um, and I wrote about There's this. There's not a good bet. It's like, tough. Yeah, Quez Watkins, is, his target's like spiked in a major way once Goddard went down and he was the guy who who filled that in he was the third target now it could be Alameda I still think it's gonna be cool I think Julio's gonna play more okay now what do you think about is Quez supposed to come back yeah I mean he's Quez, eligible now yeah uh from from what I hear yes now I don't know if they're gonna slow play it because of that hamstring injury but I am expecting Quez to be back and it could be DeAndre Swift potentially I, okay. I, I don't think there's a good answer here I, no. I think it's tough. It could be Julio. I think that will be interesting. Now, Julio is pretty good. All right. Well, he was pretty good. <laughs> uh, he, he, is, he is not pretty good right now. Uh, last one. Moro Ojima, who has been active twice, <laughs> nine total snaps. The Eagles traded Kentavia Street, so there's a little bit more yeah. room for a backup defensive tackle, although he was inactive against the Cowboys. What have you learned? What are your expectations? What you're hoping is that he's a Milton Williams-type player. I think like that. I mean, that would be an unbelievable outcome. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I think that like body frame, the versatility that he has, the playing style reminds me almost like a poor man's Milton Williams. So Is he the second youngest player on the team? Because he's a young guy. I believe so. I got to look at the birthdays. Uh, now, uh, if you go to the Eagles roster and you sort by age, right. uh, uh, Keely Ringo is the only 21-year-old on the team. Uh, so... Uh, I I would need to look up by birthdays, but Moro is a young guy because 
He graduated high school at 16, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. What are your expectations for Mauro Ojima? Yeah, I mean, this year, just rotational, like bottom of of the rotation, not going to get a lot of snaps. I think we saw that the other night. I think, uh, I mean, barring injury, you're going to see Fletcher, Milton Williams, Jordan Davis, and Jalen Carter take on, like, almost all of those snaps. So he'll get some leftovers here and there. Uh, if the Eagles have it clinched, you'll probably, you'll probably see a lot of him in that uh, week 18 game against the Giants. That's going to be a barn burner. <laughs> um, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Tommy DeVito. Who, by the way, I mean, look, I'm not ripping on Tommy DeVito here. Um, he, he was, he, he kind of got replaced at Syracuse. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and Syracuse is, is, uh, They've they wow. have been that great. Shots fired. No, but he was he was always fun to watch. Like I, I watched a lot of Tommy DeVito in college, and uh, he, he definitely That's has some not juice. something to brag about. He definitely has some juice. I didn't watch a lot of him at, at Illinois, but he was teammates with Sidney Brown last year. There you go. Uh, yes, and so you've got Moro Ojimo and Tanner McKee, two of the core four, joining Christian Ellis mm-hmm. and Reed Blankenship. That's an important. That's their claim to, to fame. That is their claim to fame so far in their NFL careers. All right. Good stuff, Zach. Good episode. Um, Christian Ellis, you think he's going to be uh, somebody that Andy Reid is worried about heading into that matchup next next Monday night? If there's an injury to one of the linebackers, then Christian Ellis is the next man up. Yes. There you go. Okay. Uh, we are back tomorrow at 11. Good, uh, good straight schedule this week. 11 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then 10 o'clock on Friday. So easy to remember. We've got morning shows for Zach, so you know he's going to be in this prime form morning. as always. Yeah, but you like you've prepped in in morning time. I mean, oh, it's yeah. still technically morning. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, good stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Good to get back in the flow of things after the weekend off. Back tomorrow. We will talk to you later. And as always, we love you. <laughs>